Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, Educator Barnes here, and today's episode is called Focus on What You Can Control. When I was teaching English during the last, I guess you'll say the last five years, um, when I was teaching middle school English in particular, um, I had a department chair that started off every meeting with this norm, and it was focus on what you can control. And I really liked that she did that because anytime we were in a meeting and the meeting started to veer towards venting and complaining, she would say, remember, we're focusing on what we can control. And I really veered the conversation, the department meeting back to what we were actually supposed to be focusing on. But I think it's it's more than just like a department meeting. I think in education, educators need to have that in the forefront of their mind, focus on what they can control, because when you get so hell bent on all the things that you can't control that really uh, turns you into a negative person that festers and lingers inside of you and it makes you less productive. So I'm gonna talk about some different areas in schools where we don't necessarily have control or we can't change what's happening and how we navigate that. So if you're in a traditional public school, you know you have the district. If you're in a charter school, you may have a charter a network, uh, a, a, a CMO, a charter management organization, someone that's up there <laughs> above your principal that uh, sprinkles down mandates and instructions. And I've been at meeting after meeting where people are just griping and complaining about these mandates. And at the end of the day, there's not much you can do. If the district adopts a new curriculum and you don't like it, complaining about it until you're blue in the face is not going to make the district say, hey, you know, Mrs. Barnes, you have been complaining about this curriculum. Thanks for your complaints. We're just going to not use this curriculum and we're going to adopt something else. Yeah, only in my dreams. Me complaining about the curriculum doesn't make the school district do anything differently. So... When there's things that come down from the district, whether we like it or not, we really need to focus on what we can control. We can't control district mandates. What we can control is being involved in the process. Now, I tell this to educators all the time, you know, get involved in the process. And I know when people say, well, it's just a horse and pony show, Shantae. They're not really going to do anything. Yeah, they had those focus meetings and I showed up to it. But yes, been there, done that. I have been in numerous meetings where I felt I gave good feedback and then it's like, this this is what you guys did? Because in the focus meeting I was in, me and everybody else, I was there because, you know, we did our little gallery walk. We had our big, um, for those that are not educators, that's where you kind of put um, posters on the wall and then you kind of walk around and there's like different... Uh, topics and you're writing about how you feel and then you can do a second round where you come back around and add on so you're like I was at this meeting I was part of this focus group I joined this committee we came up with all these ideas and what you produce is not uh, what we talked about and so 
You're probably thinking, so what's the point of me being involved in the focus group, joining a committee, going out to a meeting, and the district does what the district does? First of all, it gives you a sense of what district you're in. I've been in districts where I've been part of groups and they listened to the educators and they made changes based on what we said. So that affirmed that, hey, this is a district I want to stay in. This is a school I want to stay in. The other part of it, if you're going to these meetings and you're actively participating, you're doing what the district says. You know, the district say things like, we need teacher input. And then they'll say things, you know, because you also you're here. They'll bring down a mandate. Well, we asked for input and only two teachers showed up. So if you're participating and you're there, other people are there, you all are kind of saying the same thing. And the district still does what it does. Then you can be like, then you have to think about, do I stay in this district? Do I stay at this school? Because I am participating in their process, and yet the outcomes are not aligning what I think is best for kids. So, um, and I think that's applicable to any job. If you're somewhere and you just feel like you're never heard, and there's these mandates that are coming down that are unrealistic, they're difficult to implement, then you need to consider um, what you should do. The next layer is, so now we're out of the district level, now we're with the administration. At the end of the day, the number one thing you have to remember is your administrator is your boss. They determine whether you get your contract renewed or whether you get terminated or whether you get put in that little uh, pile of, well, um, you know how some school districts, um, you don't get terminated, uh, but you get moved to another school. So I'm not saying you should be a butt kisser and jump through unnecessary hoops. Um, if you listen to anything I've said on my podcast or if you read anything you wrote, you know I am the one to look an administrator in their face and tell them exactly how I, I feel. Um, in particular, I told my last principal, um, this, is, this is what exactly I, I told her. I said, what, what you're doing is not working for me. I said, you keep throwing up hoops that I will never be able to jump through. That's exactly what I said to this woman verbatim in our last conversation. And then we both had to go attend this award conversation of tennis award presentation uh, together the next day uh, we both got recognized for being excellent educators so I just find it very interesting when I had to sit in this meeting and listen to her um, attempt to tell me um, how she felt like I could do more as an educator now the granted I was rated as an effective evalu- uh, effective um, educator right but yet in this meeting she was just telling me that I needed to do more Never gave me any specific information because I told her, I'm like, look, I'm reading what you wrote, so can you explain and elaborate? And then when you can't come up with any specific things that I should do more of, that kind of makes me not really place any value in what you're actually saying. Um, So you have to keep in mind that even though you can't control how your administrator treats you, how your administrator interacts with you, you can control whether you stay under that administrator. And so each administrator, they have different ways of being. Um, right now, I work in the school. Um, the school I work in the charter school right now. Um, there is a principal, there's an assistant principal, and there's four uh, academic deans. And I'm one of those academic deans, so I'm part of the second tier of administration. And our school is K through eight. Um, our downstairs is our elementary school. Our upstairs is our middle school. And I am one of the middle school administrators. There's actually two of us. Uh, I supervise all social studies and English teachers and art. Then my counterpart does all math teachers, science teachers, and she does uh, physical education and STEM because STEM is one of our elective uh, courses. And even now, um, our teachers have noted that we have different ways of being. We have different ways of being an administrator. We have different ways of interacting with people. And 
there's not a right or wrong between what we do and actually our um our coach so we have someone that coaches us he had us do this high five assessment and it, it comes up with your like top five like uh i guess your top five um lovers so my top two my number one is deliverer that is very important to me that i deliver what i'm supposed to deliver to people and my second one is timekeeper which a lot of people i will tell you my last principle is not even surprised that that was my number two uh, because i hate 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 for my time to be wasted especially at work <laughs> so um when we did this assessment there was only one category where my counterpart and i actually overlapped and that was being a coach which we were like whoo <laughs> being a minister you kind of hope that your ministry in their in their top five that they are coaches they're able to coach other people so we were like whoo shoot got that covered but even the way that we interact with our staff how we communicate um is different because we have different personalities we have different um backgrounds i've worked in um way more different types of settings than my uh, counterpart we've had different schooling experiences as students so all that shows up in the way we are as administrators and in our personal life experience and so what the teachers that are under me um that i'm supporting and coaching what they cannot control is how i show up um so when you have an administrator and the way they're showing up and the way they're interacting with you you don't like it you have some options I actually want to say, hey, um, what you're doing, uh, I don't appreciate this because blah, blah, blah. Um, and then have a conversation because that conversation could lead to like, oh, I didn't know that that bothered you. Okay, let me think about it. Or it could lead to like, hey, like I have to do these things. And one of the things I've learned as an administrator is I think one of the most important things as an administrator, actually, especially being on the second tier, right, is that your job is to implement the vision and mission of your principal. It's not to be like, well, that's what the principal wants and kind of disassociate yourself from it. And so I'm very cognizant of the fact of that I am implementing things that maybe people don't like. And with my particular school, um, my principal was just the principal of the elementary school um, last school year. This is her first school year being the principal of both the elementary and the middle school. And so I came into um, this school this school year. And so, of course, you know, you have a new administrator. So she wants to do things a little differently. And I don't honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way that she's doing anything. It's just different than what some of my middle school staff are used to. So my job is to support my principal and saying, hey, this is what we're doing. It's not a my principal thing or a Shantae thing. It's uh, our school thing. And. A lot of times people get so caught up in how someone else, a.k.a. your administrator, is doing their job that they're not getting their job done. I can't believe they had the nerve to send me this. Look, think about it. They have someone above them. They have some the district that's on their neck or the network, the charter network is on their neck saying this is what has to happen. So sometimes there's things out of their control and they are just simply the messenger um, from mandates from above. And so you're spinning your wheels complaining about things that you don't need to be complaining about or focusing on. And like a lot of times I just feel like educators need to stay in their lane. Um, I don't like it when I'm in schools or 
even when I wasn't in school or when I was just like working at the pizza place. I didn't like it when you always have that employee, right, who thinks they everybody's supervisor and trying to tell everybody what their job is. That ain't your job description to tell anybody else what their job is. You need to be worried about doing your job. And so there are some things um, before I even became a minister and just going through the administration program, it really opened my eyes to all the things that administrators have to deal with. And I think sometimes teachers would back off or wouldn't focus on certain things that administrators are doing because they really truly don't understand all the aspects and all the reasons like um, why schedules are the way they are or you know why we don't have a certain service because you've had to pick, you have X amount of money, you have to pick between this option and this option. And yes, um, maybe administrators can be more transparent, but like, even like I'm thinking about myself, like a lot of times it comes down to time. Like when do you have the time to sit down and explain every single decision that you have made or why it's made? A lot of times there's not time for that in school and put in the email. Like, I know you see those memes online. Well, that could have been the email. Well, you know why it's not in the email? Cause y'all don't read y'all emails. <laughs> we see y'all emails and then y'all don't read it and y'all showing up at the, the principal office, the sister principal office talking about, well, when are we supposed to do that? That's why we sent the email. We didn't have the meeting because you was complaining about we having too many meetings. So we eliminate the meetings and sent it in the email and y'all didn't read it. So, um, side note, read y'all uh, emails from y'all administrators because if you don't, then you're going to end up having extra meetings. <laughs> um, the next level um, is your team or your department. I've been secondary for most of my career. So I've been pretty much a part of an English department throughout my entire career. And then I've been in middle school most of my career. And most of the middle schools I've been in, we have been teamed. So that means a certain group of students, let's say it's 200 students, all those students have the same English, social studies, science, and math teacher, right? So that makes a team. And so I have department meetings, I have team meetings. And sometimes those meetings turn into power struggles unnecessarily because people are not focusing on what they really can control. And so because they can't control what happens at the district level, because they can't control what their administrator does, they're like, oh, I'm going to go up in this meeting <laughs> and I'm going to control something. And you see those people, they be trying to hijack every department meeting, hijack every team meeting for what? Like, what what are you getting out of that just to be able to stick at your chest and be like, yeah, I run that like and nobody really cares like at the end of the day. And then you just are seen as a hostile um, person who is difficult uh, to work with. And so sometimes there are tasks that you have to do as a team or a department that you don't want to be part of or you don't agree with. Um, so, for example. And I know some of my former colleagues and current colleagues are learning more about me. Um, I am very much an introvert. And um, some people even will venture to say I'm socially inept. I just don't like participating in extra social activities that I don't have to participate in. And one school I was at, they had like a breakfast every single month. Well, there was a requirement that each couple of months, different teams had to provide the breakfast. Now... I did not go to this breakfast because it was optional. It was optional, but almost everybody went. So I was one of the few people that did not go to the breakfast, which was frowned upon. Um, and I and everybody's required. And so, you know, I could have showed up and been like, I don't even go to the breakfast and I ain't even eating that food. And then I get really weird. Um, so I carry my lunch. I've actually been carrying my lunch throughout. I carry my lunch throughout elementary school and middle school. 
And about halfway through high school, my dad, surprise, surprise, you know, if you follow me in my garden life, and if you don't know about my garden life, check out gardenershakol.com. Um, Shakol is my middle name, so some people call me by my middle name. That's S-H-I-C-O-L-E. Um, you can learn all about um, me um, being a gardener and growing stuff in the city and how you can do that and help be more sustainable and healthy. Uh, my dad, who is one of the people I learned how to garden from, in high school decided that I should eat school lunch because that would make me more sociable and I would pick up some friends. It actually just made me mad and angry because I did not want to eat school lunch and I was still carrying stuff from home because I did not want to eat school lunch. If you go on your, if you go on K through eight not eating school lunch and then your parents are like, eat school lunch, I mean, I was like sick to my stomach for the first month of school because I'm not eating that type of stuff at home. I hadn't ate that stuff before. So um, that's just my side note. Like school lunch is disgusting. I don't think it's good for kids. Um, but that's a whole nother rant for a whole nother time. And I've written about that. And I've gotten a Twitter uh, thread about that like a, a week ago because um, I have strong opinions about that. But I'm very particular about what I eat and I really try, um, I'm like the person at the grocery store that's flipping over the boxes, I'm reading the ingredients, I'm trying to get organic, natural, like stuff, that's me. I'm also realistic, um, my kids <laughs> interact with relatives who eat whatever the heck they want, so I do get processed junk, for lack of a better word, but I really try not to. My school had an ice cream social. And, um, um, so there's like, if you Google it, it talks about how like ice cream sandwiches sometimes don't melt because they're artificial. So anyway, the, the lady comes and brings me an ice cream sandwich and I said, oh no, thank you. Now granted, I'm literally, we're outside and this little, uh, back to school, uh, night is outside. I'm literally sweating. You can see the, uh, the sweat on my face and the lady's like, you're not taking the ice cream. And I was like, um, um, that's not real ice cream. <laughs> and she was like, what? I said, I, you know, I bring my lunch every day, so I'm really particular about what I eat. So, I am not a person that's going to eat a staff at a staff pitch in because I'm that picky about what I eat. I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know how you prepare food at home. Like, I, I don't know if you can really cook. I'm not trying to have an upset stomach. I don't know what type of noodles or pasta or what type of veggies you putting in there. Or, um, I'm just like real picky. So. I could have been in a meeting and been like, well, I'm not participating. I'm not bringing anything because I don't eat it and throw a whole fit. That's unnecessary. Focus on what I can't control. I can't control that. Um, <laughs> I don't like these things. Like, I just, that's just who I am. Like, I'm not going to change. I, I can't control that the school's going to do this, right? But what I can control is how I show up and how I respond. So even though I didn't attend, for the most part, <sighs> I did eventually start attending occasionally after people were like begging me to come. So I did attend occasionally. I did not eat actually, um, unless I ate fruit and typical. So that's why I ended up bringing. I normally was the person that running joke was, yes, yeah, John's going to bring the organic bananas. Yeah. So I would normally bring some type of fruit, um, because first of all, I didn't get, um, um, by this point in time, I've had my twin boys. So I didn't have time in my life to be making no food for y'all. So um, <laughs> I would pick up some type of organic something and bring it to the breakfast. And so instead of being a difficult team member and trying to stake my claim and be like, I'm not bringing another because I don't eat. I just was participatory. And so when you're having these situations where you have department meetings or team meetings, you need to think about 
do I really need to try to take control of this or should I just focus on what I can control about this situation? If you're being told at a team meeting that you have to track this certain amount of data, at the end of the day, there's no pushback that you're going to give to any administrator to talk them out of data collection, right? So you need to focus on what you can control. Can you control how you collect the data? Can you control when you submit the data? So you need to figure out what part of this mandate or this um task you were given you can't control and that's what I try to get people to focus on when I was at the point where I was leading PLC's professional learning communities I would try to set it up where I was giving teachers tasks but not dictating how they completed said task so they had some control I didn't need to control everything and so when you're in these situations in team meetings and department meetings you may not be able to control the task you have to complete but you may be able to control how you do that task so that's where you should focus your time instead of trying to blow up the media and be like, well, we ain't doing this and I don't need to talk to the principal. And who said we had to do this? And so, you know, you're trying to hijack the whole meeting and then everybody's salty because we could have been out the meeting 10 minutes ago. But now you're trying to be a hijacker. The next area that you need to focus on what you can control are your colleagues. Just like we tell our students. There may be someone in your class that you don't like, but you need to get along with them and work with them because that's what we do. That's the right thing. As adults, we as teachers, as models for our students, we need to take our own advice. I am drama free zone and I will tell you, my colleagues will tell you this. Um, Depending on what school you're at, they call them difficult conversations, courageous conversations, crucial conversations. At the end of the day, it's a nice fancy way to say, if you got an issue, you got a beef with somebody, open up your mouth and go directly to them. And so that's what you can control. I can't control that if I have an issue with someone, I can't control how I'm going to move forward to rectify, correct, mediate this situation. But instead of focusing on the aspect that we can control, we do more harm than good, such as text other people at school about the situation, try to go back and forth and email, tell someone else about it during your lunch or your prep or while you're standing in the hallway supposed to be monitoring students and greeting them when they come into your classroom. So instead of being productive and focusing on what you can control and what you can do, you get sucked into um, behavior that actually takes away actually behavior that we tell our students not to engage in, you know, gossiping, um, talking about somebody behind their back. You know, can we tell our students if you have a problem with someone, you need to work it out. We say that to students. We expect students who are still developing. Uh, I work mostly in middle school, got their little hormones going on. We tell students that you need to work out your problems. But as adults, I can't tell you how many teachers I've had to avoid things. When I was a teacher, uh, when I was coaching, I coach teachers currently in my job as administrator. But when I was just like a literacy coach, I can't tell you how many times I had to come in and mediate between two grown folks because they wouldn't take the initiative to focus on what they could control and come together and mediate the situation. So now I'm sitting here in the middle like, you know, teacher A, okay, let's, what are your concerns? Teacher B, what are your concerns? All right, how can we come to a solution? What are we both going to agree to do when we leave this meeting? How do we move forward? And I'm negotiating like, well, I heard that teacher B told teacher C, blah, 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 this. I'm like, no. And the other part of this is, 
let's say you are that that person you like me like you go to so-and-so and like look um i really need your students this is a conversation i had i really need your students to come to the library on time when i was a librarian because i have a lesson that i'm teaching like this is, i'm not here to babysit i'm not here just watching kids i know i have your students while you have your prep but i'm teaching something meaningful and when your class is late i can't get started on time now well all i can control in that situation is a am i going to address it b how am i going to address it and see what i'm going to do moving forward what I can't control is how the other person is going to respond. And so I actually had that conversation with a few teachers. A few teachers, they were just like, oh, my gosh, she's like talking to me. Is she going to CC the principal and send her email? Like they getting off? I said, no, because why do I need to bring the principal in, into this? First of all, that, that takes away my power when I got to bring someone else in it when I have the power right here to open my mouth and tell you, like, this is not working. Um so some teachers are like, okay, you know, I, I just need to make sure my class lines up early so we get here on time. Then I have one teacher that didn't uh, care two snaps about what I had to say. And it's like, well, I get here when I get here. So I could have went back and forth with this person every single week or I could just let it be. And I just made it clear. I, and, and what was interesting, then the teacher wanted the students to pick out certain stuff. And I was just like, because you don't arrive on time. I had to get through my lesson, so therefore we didn't have time to get to the task you wanted them to complete. So if you can arrive here on time, then your students can do this. And so I focused on what I could control. I couldn't control her coming on time, but I could control what uh, I was doing with those students. And when the teacher realized that I, we're really not going to get to your extra two or three requests, you know, the two or three requests you put in the same day that your students are coming down in the class. Don't be giving the courtesy of telling me in advance, even though I asked and requested that you tell me things 48 hours in advance. Um, when the consequences started coming out, like, oh, like, Shantae's really not going to cut her lesson um, to do something that you requested that morning. That teacher slowly but surely started coming on time. And so with your colleagues, you're not going to be able to control how they respond to you. You're not going to be able to control how they act, but you need to focus. Uh, secondly, if you have a colleague that you're like, I saw this meme. Um, uh, it was something like, do you just ever look around and work and wonder how did you get this job? Let's keep it real, teachers. You know, you've been sitting there being like, was there nobody else in the candidate pool? Was this the only person that applied to this job? You can't control who your principal hires. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, principals hire crappy teachers and it could be exactly what I just said. There was no one like there literally was no one else. So it's like this crappy teacher or a long term sub. Right. Or it's just like person talked a good game in the interview. But then they showed up and it's like all the stuff they said they they did and believed in. Yeah, I believe every child can learn. And then you in class like, oh, these kids, they too low. I can't teach them. They then totally did a 360 on you. You may not be able to control who your principal or admin or interview team hires, but you could control how you respond. If you see that a colleague is struggling, you can A, talk about the person, say, why is this person here? Why do they still have a job? Or B, you can come back around and say, look, maybe this person won't have a job when the school year is over, but this person, especially in middle school this per or high school, this person also has the same kids that I have. So it will be beneficial if there's anything I can do to support and help this teacher do it. And that's the conversation I've had as a coach because, granted, 
if someone sucks as a teacher, everybody know who it is. They notice that the coach goes to their classroom extra amount of time. They notice that person's having extra amount of means. They may be aware that the person is on a teacher improvement plan. But you can sit there and talk about the person and just buy your time and wait till they get fired. Or you can focus on what you can control and go and help that person out. Because maybe, because the whole point, like, when people get put on teacher improvement plans, they get it scares the crap out of them because they're like, wait a minute, this is like, how you going to document me out and fire me? But if we think about being restorative and being helpful, like I tell teachers, my job is to coach you so you can be the best teacher to be at this school or another school. And I actually say that. And I had an administrator that did not like that. I said that, but I said the reality is sometimes teachers outgrow a space. And it's time for them to go. And they may be a good teacher. Just, this school may not longer be. And not, my job is to help you be be a great teacher. And so maybe a teacher could improve if they not only had the admin support, the coaches support, they also had their colleagues support. The last area I would say focus on what you can control is our students. I, I've seen uh, the t-shirt where it's like teacher and then around the word teacher it's like all these other words mentor counselor social worker it's like all the many hats that educators wear and, and I say with every single hat I almost see every single hat as a brick and that brick is weighing us down as educators because like we got into the profession because it's our calling it's what we feel like we're called to do like we want to um to to teach kids we want them to grow up to be great citizens and with that sometimes we get so emotionally involved and so invested that we don't step back and say hey I can't control that I can't control that they are in foster care I can't control that they've been molested I can't control that they're getting verbally and physically abused at home so I have to focus as hard as I can on what I can control. So that may means if I learn about a situation, I'm calling Child Protective Services. Um, if you're in Indiana, that's where I at, you know that we are mandated reporters. That means you don't tell your friend like, hey, I have concerns about Sally. Did you see those bruises on her? No, you pick up. You call DCS, the um, Department of Child Services, and you make the report because if you don't, then your job could be on the line. And if you don't know this and you're in Indiana, in Indiana and you're listening, you can also make the report anonymously if you have concerns. But at the end of the day, you're legally obligated to report these things. So that's what you can't control. You can't control whether Child Protective Services go and do anything because sometimes the calls get, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it gets filtered out. So they, so they may not feel that what you called about is worth investigating or they feel like it's worth investigating. They investigate and, and don't take any action because they feel like there's no action is needed. And that's the tough part when, um, you call and you're really concerned about a student and nothing happens. That really hurts because you're like, you see this kid every day. This kid is exhibiting some type of behavior or you see bruises or you see like, I mean, I had a student that you couldn't. A really sweet kid you could hardly even say anything the kid was always so jumpy but there were like so many things going on in that kid's life and it's like as much as I wish I could be like a fairy godmother and wave a magic wand and change things for our students I can't and that's how teachers burn out because they're trying to do everything they're trying to 
buy the buy kids clothes, buy them coats, buy them shoes, get them pencils, papers, have extra snacks in the classroom, trying to help out parents, parents light bill um, was due and they don't have it. So, you know, you're trying to connect them to resources so the lights get back on so Sally can do her reading log at home. Like you, you, you get so emotionally involved, but at the end of the day, your job is teacher. Your job is to deliver academic content, help our students be well-rounded uh, citizens, help them grow to be well-rounded citizens. We can't go and fix everything. And that is, man, that's so tough. Um, and I'm telling you um, that you got to focus on what you control. But I, 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 I know even myself, there's a situation where we just go that extra step because that's what we do. And that's why educators, that's why teachers are special people because that's who we are in our hearts. It's like we know we can't control this and we still are trying to fix it. Um, but I also venture to say you got to take care of yourself because you can get so invested and so emotionally wrapped up in every single situation that you're neglecting your self-care and neglecting your own family. You don't want to um, put your students and their families above your own family and your own mental health. So what should you do if you can't focus on what you can't control? Like you just... Like, look, I cannot control this, but I can't live with this. If you're at a school and there is a situation and you're like, okay, like, okay, educator Barnes, I hear you. I'm going to, I'm going to go on. I'm going to focus on what I can control, but I, the thing I can't control, I can't live with. Like, I cannot support this because this mandate, this, this thing they're asking me to do, it, it like goes against my philosophical beliefs. It goes against my religious beliefs, whatever it is. Then you have to make a decision. You either just suck it up and deal with it or you move on. And I'm very, 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 very um, um, big about doing what's best for you. And some people are like, you talk a lot about teachers quitting their jobs and going somewhere else. Like that hurts kids. No, what hurts kids is a teacher staying at a school that they hate. That's what hurts kids. What helps kids is when the educator is like, I can't live with the stuff that's happening at this school. I'm going to go to a school that's closer to my home or it's in my neighborhood or it's in the district where my personal kids go to school. And now I'm actually happy. I'm excited to go to work. I believe in because um, each district even has different like things like I live in um, um, a district uh, where they do the IB programming. So if you hate IB. You may not want to go work in that district if you don't believe in that, that international mindset. You're like, I don't want to worry about all that stuff and being certified and doing all that training. Then that's not for you. And that is okay. In every other profession, I feel like there's not as much stigma about leaving and going to like another company for the most part. I will put that caveat in if you're going to a competitor that may be frowned upon. (laughs) But, um. In education, it's just like you just you just get like shamed. Like I can't believe. Oh, oh, here's my favorite. You not loyal to the district. I love when people say that to me because I I always say so. So what has the district done for you lately? Because um, a lot of times we're loyal to places that it's not loyal to us. <laughs> so if you can't answer that question. And have a positive response. What has my district, what has my school done for me lately? Um, then it's okay to move on. Um, as long as you're a great educator. So if you're not doing your part and, and you have some shortcomings, get yourself right. 
before you move on because those shortcomings will be pointed out somewhere else. That always amazes me, the people who hop schools because, you know, what they're doing is being brought to the light. And then they go somewhere else and like, surprise, surprise. Over here, you still can't just show up whenever you want to. You still got to show up on time. And like, I just don't get people who are just like habitually late to school because it's like, where they do that at? You can't even go to McDonald's and roll up late. You ain't going to keep your job at Mickey D's. Like, so there are just some things that educators, like, I don't care what school you go to. You can't do that anywhere. So if you can't, I don't know, if you can't live with going to work the time, you just ain't going to be living because you're not going to have a job. Um, so so go, go to school on time, please. Try to get there a little bit earlier. Um, so it's like, that's what you have to do. Um, like currently right now, um, my husband is in San Francisco. He is going to be there for this entire week. He's there. He's an Oracle. He's a senior Oracle database administrator. And he's at the big Oracle conference in San Francisco. And he's been sending me all these lovely pictures telling me he's going to take a tour of the city. So, I, I mean, he's working hard. Um, but what I can't control is the fact, like, I, I'm not going to be perfect this week. I mean, I've already screwed up. I mean... Our kids don't go to before care. Um, only, my husband does all that in the morning, gets them up. You know, I wake them up on the way out the door, but he makes sure they are actually awake. Because you know how if you got kids, you know you wake up. So I, I have two sons, uh, our twins. The one son I wake up, he gets up and go. The one son, the other one I wake up, he sit up acting like he about to get out the bed. The moment I get up out the room, he going to lay his little self down and cover himself up back with a blanket. Like I just didn't say, get your behind out the bed. So, um, <laughs> but my husband don't have to deal with that. And so to this week is me. So it's me. So we have to get up extra early. So instead of my kids getting up at 7, we've been getting up at 5.30. And um, one of my sons wears glasses, didn't have his glasses all day today. And guess who was supposed to make sure he put his glasses on his face? And then I had a meeting with a um, person at the school that same day. And it's like, yeah, um, I noticed your son didn't have his glasses. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And. My husband and I, we've been married um, for 13 years, and since we've had our kids, like, I mean, here and there, we may each have been gone for a day, um, but never has neither one of us during actually our marriage been, we've actually, as we have been married, we have not been separated for this long of a time, so, um, but I can't control that, like, my husband is an oracle minister. He needs to go to this conference, he needs to pick up some things, and that's part of his, and he's the team lead, so, um, at his um, job for the state of Indiana. So uh, I can't control that. I know I want to screw up um, my whole fancy schedule for the um, for yesterday completely fell apart, and that's okay. I'm, but in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Can, what can you con- control, Shantae? You can't control your winging it by yourself. You can't control that you're gonna screw up because you're inevitably gonna screw up because like. I mean, gosh, I wear glasses. Y'all know I wear glasses. And, like, how did I let my kid come out the house without his glasses on? I don't even know. So, hopefully, uh, he wrote down his assignments and everything right because, um, boy, need his glasses on. So, if I were to sum this all up, you really just need to focus on what you can control because it will help you be less stressed. When you are racking your brain trying to change something that's not going to be changed you're burning energy that can be put into something else and so that's kind of how I roll and I'm, I'm really honest I'm like you know what I don't like this but apparently this is what we're doing so I'm gonna do it with a smile on my face that's exactly how I roll because um look 
as much as I love being a teacher, I also love my life outside of work. And I can't uh, not have my life outside of work consumed with me up here venting and sulking and being mad because I don't like this new mandate and I don't like this curriculum. Heck, um, <laughs> there's a lot of curriculum I just don't like. I have a lot of opinions about things. So I can sit up here and be angry and be mad or I can just do my job. And where there is time for me to have a voice, where there is time where I can have a modification or do something or plan something out, I take advantage of those opportunities because I can have some control. And so the focus on what you can control is to have less stress, is to have more freedom, and is to empower you to um, to take charge in the areas where you can take charge. Because sometimes we get so stuck on the things that we can't control that we are ignoring the things that we actually have some say in. So that is my uh, podcast for this week. Tune in next week. And thanks for listening.